and DC, we're just hoping that you listen. Welcome to District Divided. I am Amit, and joining me, I've got Matt, KDOT, and Elsie. There is no Spencer this week, but we've still got an amazing crew for you guys and an amazing episode as well. We're a DC Sports Podcast, and we're going to begin with the Washington football team. Preseason action has begun, and they got one game in the books with one more coming up this Friday night. We're going to talk about that, led by KDOT. Then we're going to talk about the Paralympics. So the Olympics in Tokyo occurred, but next week the Paralympics begin, and LC is going to lead us through that segment. And then the no-hate debate this week, what is the worst part about living in D.C., or more generally the DMV area? We're all going to discuss that, led by Matt. And then the State of the Union, your D.C. sports wraparound coverage segment, as we do every single week. But as I said, we're beginning with the Washington football team. KDOT, what were your thoughts on the game against the New England Patriots this past week? Well, uh, being able to watch every single snap, looking forward to everything in this game. I mean, it's the first time for football in forever, it seems. So it was just nice to see the guys back out there on the field. But I actually think it was a very, very promising start from what I did see with the Washington football team. I mean, when you're looking at a preseason game, especially number one, there's not a lot that you can hang your hat on, but you want to see how hard some guys are fighting, and you also want to see how game-ready some of these dudes are. Like, number one was Chase Young in that defensive line. Like, Montez Sweat didn't even play, but Chase Young, right off the bat, everybody saw the highlight of him getting right there and being on breathing on Cam Newton's neck immediately and that's what you want especially after like he didn't show up to some of the mini camp stuff even though people were looking at him like on instagram doing his thing the boy is ready and it looks like he's ready to take the lead by storm i'm just saying coolest athlete in dc chase young and also probably the best athlete we got maybe not juan soto but he wants to play baseball you know you know my feelings on that uh offensively it gets really really interesting there was a stat that came up in the uh, in the preseason game that if you looked at res- the amount of receivers that caught a ball, it was 17, I think was the final number, which means there is a backlog at certain positions. Wide receiver, running back, usually the top two that we're kind of talking about. Tight end, there's some interesting things happening. But what happened during the game, you got to see, all right, who are they really trying on certain aspects or who they really want to see? So in the running back standpoint, you could see uh, Antonio Gibson, that's going to be our guy. You could tell the amount of snaps that he had, get pull him right out of the game. It was interesting to see how they're using as far as like uh, J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber. J.D. McKissick, everybody knows what, I think he led the league, or was like, no, second or third in the league in receptions out of the backfield with 80 last year. And it looks like he might play that same role here for us, where Antonio Gibson could do some of the same things, but he's much more can run the ball down, down, the, down the line. I think what you're also looking for is that third down kind of back, be it third and short or that power runner. And right now that list looked like Peyton Barber, the, the new guy, Jared Patterson, uh, short, short youngin, and also uh, in Lamar Miller. Washington, let it all be known, Lamar Miller is gone. But Jared Patterson, especially in the second half of that game, was being used for everything. So you could tell they're really trying to get him involved. And you could hear, and I think it was a press conference after the game or a couple days after the game, where they were they were describing him as a Darren Sproles type of guy. Be it Darren Sproles in San Diego or maybe a little bit in New Orleans, he's a change of pace guy, somebody you go in there, give carries to, and he keep the offense going. Um, on wide receiver, there are a lot of people involved. That's the position I think is the hardest to really call as far as what the hell is going on, what the hell is happening. Dammy Brown with the uh, that that catch at the end of the game uh, with for the two point conversion, I got called back even though it was a great great effort by him. 
Um, I hope that he, it looks like he's still going to, or sorry, Antonio Gandy Golden right, is the one right. who got the uh, two-point conversion, who's somebody that I'm really, really rooting for. Danny Brown looks like he is solid. He's a roster spot. He's going to be uh, ch- charging after Curtis Samuel and those guys for the starting position right there in uh, Washington. But Antonio Gandy Golden is one of those dudes that's kind of tweener type. We don't know exactly where he's going to be. Kelvin Harmon is somebody that we were looking forward to. Gone. And you can see in the preseason game, he really didn't show anything on the field. Like, we didn't really see much. Gone. There's there's too many people right now that the the window is really really short. Yeah, and I got a quick question for you. And thanks for that breakdown because I do think the offense is very promising. Fitzpatrick looked good. He had the really nice throw to Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas. on a touch pass, Fantastic. back shoulder, perfect. Nothing but excitement there. Taylor Heineke also looked good. So the QBs you wanted to look good look good. Who would you say your big winners were, Kadeen, from the game? Who, if I'm looking at big winners, hmm. I think Jared Patterson, the guy that I mentioned earlier, as far as just the amount of reps that he was getting and where they were putting him, they were putting him all over the field. You can see that it's one of these guys that they're like, we know you have talent. We're just trying to figure out where's the best to put you. And I think you're going to see in this next preseason game, he's going to get even more snaps. I think that's the guy that you're really looking to do. They're trying to figure out running backs. Because with the wide receivers we have, can you really justify going into this season with four running backs? Could happen, I mean, but they, they got to make sure they earn their weight where they, they can really hang with the rest of the team. I mean, you look at his instincts, that kid can run. It, yeah. It's not just the speed and elusiveness. He knows where to cut, when to cut. Uh, I was very impressed with Jared Patterson, a name I'm going to throw out. And, I, you know, we are a Samis Reyes podcast, but that dude actually had a great game. He had a couple catches. Now, he bobbled both. He did bobble both, but he did catch both. One was for a first, both were for first downs. And mm-hmm. the second catch in particular, the guy tried to tackle him and got injured. Yeah. And then he flexed. I mean, that's just, he's a baby in this sport. And he has so much untapped potential. And he went two for two on those catches. And he can block. Like, he was blocking people to the other side of the sideline. I am very curious to see and hear your thoughts, KDOT, on Samis Reyes. Because it is, you know, the tight end room is pretty packed. Do you yeah. think he's going to make the 53 or do you think they risk putting him on the practice squad? Cause he could get snapped up. I think that is another interesting thing that I want to see as the preseason goes forward is that I think Logan Thomas sealed number one tight end, John Bates, who's that rookie tight end looks pretty good. He looked good, especially in blocking. You hear a lot of things in training camp. So I think he looks like he's in. Um, if we're looking at the tight end, who's going to be that third guy? Ricky Seals Jones got some reps. Um, now you got Samus Reyes versus that guy. Who are you going to pick? I think right now I'd say that he does make the 53. It just seems as though they are, they are invested in him. I mean, I know there's the whole foreign Chilean deal. I just don't know of many um, undrafted first to play football. They got a 45 minute press conference after a game and got media coverage on that level. Um, that to me speaks to, okay, they're trying with this guy and there's, I mean, if you got enough players around the other side of this team, I don't see us doing a lot of jumbo or three tight end sets. You can you can keep this guy in there, have him be that project. You can still do what you want to do on offense and not have to have a third tight end that has to contribute right away. Elsie, I actually have a question for you. So let's say you're Ron Rivera, your head coach, and you sure. have a choice between a guy like Ricky Seals-Jones, who is a proven veteran in the NFL, and he's productive, and he's had some good years, or a completely unknown commodity in a guy like Sammy Sreyas, who played you know, college basketball, but that was his first ever NFL game, but he showed a lot of promise. 
which player would you keep as your third tight end, assuming you can only keep three? Okay, well, first of all, I feel like Ted Lasso managing the wrong football. Um, so fair enough. Uh, so I would say, I mean, it may depend a little bit on, on contracts too, right? I, I like what Kareem said that like, if you have guys who you already know can contribute, then I would keep my third option as like a project, a potential. Um, because I don't need somebody who is a, a surefire. I know that they're going to, you know, bring X amount of, of productivity. Uh, I already have those guys, but you have all the potential in, in this new kid in Precious. And so I will keep, if it's a third option, I will keep the potential one, the one that has just a lot of room for growth. I also like sometimes with, you know, with, with people who are new to the sport, like it's a little bit, it's hard to predict how good they can get. Like you, you don't really understand for me. So let me give you a personal example. First time I came to the United States, I saw, I, I played soccer with a bunch of our high school friends and I saw kids who were like, okay, decent, you know, some kids were like better than others and whatnot. But throughout the six months that we played uh, soccer together, which in the fall season and in some winter uh, leagues, I saw people grow so much. And for me, that was absolutely shocking because in Argentina, anytime I play with somebody, they had been playing their entire life. Like their, their limit for growing was pretty much reached. Like they have, you could, they couldn't practice more because they've been playing their whole fucking life, including me. Like that was our peak. Whereas like with the kids that I met in the US, it was like, they were sort of new to soccer. So whatever I saw at the beginning was like their starting point. So they only got better. So I would say like a lot of times with people who are new to the sport, it's like, it's hard to understand how much you can grow if you have, you know, like some of these, of course, these people are all freaks of nature. They have such a, an innate talent for like athletics that neither of us for reach. Um, and so like they have all the potential and I would go for somebody who has all of that as my third option, for sure. If, if you're telling me who would you start, then that's a different conversation. If you're telling me who do I keep as a third option, the full potential guy. And he can block as well, at least the early diagnosis there is he is a capable blocker so if you don't need to put it in his hands he can certainly be in a jumbo package like k-dot was talking about matt but, same question to you would you rather have ricky seals jones who's sort of a proven veteran in the league you know if you really need him to do something he'll be able to do it and he's been playing his whole life or would you rather take a shot on a guy like samis reyes but mind you this is the nfl we're talking about let me jump in real quick. It's not his just his first NFL game. It's the first time he's ever played in a football game, period. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. That's true. First ever football game. So forget NFL game. First ever football game. Matt, question to you. Yeah, I mean, um, well, this is part of the reason, you know, we had the preseason, we have a long training camp, is to evaluate these players. Um, I would personally go with the project um, just because, you know, there is potential there and players can grow a lot. But, yeah, I agree. This is the NFL. This is a business. Um, I do think, you know, if it were to come down to it and you needed to pick up, you know, let's say first options go down, you can always pick up, you know, a, a, maybe a retired vet or something like that. If you need to, you maybe overpay for them a little bit, but, but those options do tend to exist as players start to get hurt. So if you need someone to be a more everyday option, as opposed to just a long-term project, then I, I would personally go with, um, our project guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, uh, LC checks notes. Yeah, he is, and as I check my notes, he is Chilean. Is that a problem for you? Um, I'm going to say no in this case, uh, but that's not a blanket statement. 
So in this case, I'm going to let it be. But I, here's, here's what it was making me think, though. It's like, you know how people always say, like, imagine if LeBron James, like, played football instead, right? Like, how good he would be. Like, there are people who have just so much athletic talent. And, like, they, they're just, they're, you know, they're, they're like clay, right? Like, you can mold them into whatever output of athletic performance you want. And so, like, for me, when you find those sort of, I'm going to say freaks of nature in a good way, like those, those people who are just at a different level athletically, I think you, you want to, you want to mold them. But in this case, uh, Chilean is fine. Just don't bring another one. Like one is okay. <laughs> we have a quota of one <laughs> Chilean for LC. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, we've seen a game. I mean, now that there's been some news, some rosters are, are starting to come to shape. We're only what three weeks away from the first game. Um, have, have your projections changed at all for, for what you expect out of, out of this team? I, I was honestly very encouraged by that first game. I never look at the score of a preseason game. So for those that don't know, we lost the game. But it's really just about, <laughs> it's really just about how the ones do. And the starting defense looked great. I mean, Chase Young off that edge against a guy, Isaiah Wynn, who's one of the best tackles in the NFL. He made him look like he was an undrafted free agent trying out for the team. Like Chase Young looked fantastic, as we expect. Fitzpatrick looked better than I thought. And Taylor Heineke seemed to have picked up, and Ron Rivera said so as well, seemed to have picked up where he left off last season. So I'm very encouraged by what I saw. It does not change my projections. I do believe this is a playoff team that will win the NFC East. K-Dot? I'm in the same boat. I mean, uh, Fitzpatrick actually did I, – I saw more out of Fitzpatrick than I even thought I'd like. Like, it, it, he – the zip he had on that ball and um, the, the touch that he put on that pass to Logan Thomas, the fact that he just looks comfortable in the pocket. And it wasn't that he was forcing stuff that didn't seem like they were nowhere. Like, it look, he's putting the ball right on. You can tell he's got confidence, and I like that in Fitzpatrick. Um, I also really dig the fact that Kyle Allen's coming back, and I think Kyle and Taylor fighting for the second position is a really good thing as far as the team goes. Um, Steve Mons has one of these a practice QB, just whatever. Um, he's not going to be the guy, you could tell. Um, and on defense, I mean, right now, I still think that defensive line is the best in football. Uh, and outside of that defensive line, I think the one position I'm looking at right now where I'm like, all right, that might be an issue is linebacker. Um, just because of certain things that when the running back got to the second level, you could see that there was an issue as far as guys getting to him. Um, so that is something that I'm looking out for. But with that said, Landon Collins looks amazing in the box right now. So right now, if I'm looking at the team, I'm saying that I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying more than I'm selling as far as where it is that I think this game is going to end up. Yeah, a lot of encouraging signs. Now, there are still a couple more preseason games to go. Injuries can happen. This team has been very, very fortunate so far is the word I'll use uh, with the injuries so far. You see other teams get banged up. We've been good so far. Knock on wood. Let's keep that going. Let's keep that going because otherwise projections can change. Go ahead, K-Dot. Dustin Hopkins, though. Um, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that like I, I did hear tell that he might have some stuff happening personally um, around COVID and his family, what have you. So maybe I'm hoping that with encouragement, he gets to where he needs to be. But if I'm looking at where last year, the last few years, he's missed some really important kicks. He just did not look there this, uh, this week. I thought maybe it has something to do with the long snapper being somebody different now, but Trust Wade didn't have any issues getting the ball out from what I could tell. So I, I'm really kind of in a situation where I, if I'm Washington, I'm at least bringing in some kicking competition. I mean, they re-signed him in March, so it looks like they're going all in with Dustin, but it did not look great what I saw from the kicking unit. How, how much soccer did Reyes play in Chile? 
That is an excellent question. <laughs> I don't know that I have the answer to that. I imagine Can with his size, either Maybe. forward or keeper. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> well, hey, in Ron, we trust uh, when it comes to Hopkins. <laughs> he hasn't brought anybody in. And maybe he knows about whatever personally is going on for him. Personally, I'm glad Dustin Hopkins missed a kick in London that caused Kirk Cousins to not be the quarterback of this team. So there was a little long-term benefit uh, there. So thank you, Dustin, for that. Appreciate it. But now let's move on to the Paralympics. LC, walk us through it. It starts next week. Just yes, give sir. us a bit of information here. Yeah. One more thing I want to say about the, the preseason that you just made me think about with uh, the NFL. It's cool that the actual like starters play in the preseason games. Um, as opposed to like the NBA Summer League, which you get to see like, you know, second round 45th pick. Oh. <laughs> like, who are these people? So <laughs> it's cool that you get to see like actual players who you're going to see all season. Probably because the season is so short and you actually need, need those those games. So let's get into the Paralympics. They start next Tuesday, uh, the 24th. There is an opening ceremony. There is a closing ceremony. They happen in Tokyo. So this always uh, goes the same way. The Olympics happen. And then about a week or two later, the Paralympics happen. Same venue. Um, they basically leave a couple of weeks of buffer to like people to move out, new people to move in. Um, obviously, this year everything is a little bit weirder with COVID and whatnot. But it's always in the same city. It's always right after they use the same facilities, and uh, obviously the city already has all the infrastructure to hold the event. So it's pretty convenient that way. Um, so what I thought that we would do is just talk a little bit about some local athletes that we have, some Paralympic athletes, um, and. You know, if you have any questions or anything that I that I can help you understand about the Paralympics, would love to try. Uh, and if not, we can Google them live right here. That's production live right now. Um, but if you want to watch the Paralympics, if you're interested, you can watch them the same way you watch the Olympics, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so they will be on NBC. They'll be on NBC Sports Network. They'll be on the Olympic Channel. And most importantly, because I think that's the way most people watched it, um, you can watch them online, like just stream whatever event you want. You want to watch archery and they're not playing it you can go online and watch the event uh which is pretty cool like to shoot with their feet it's insane like just absolutely amazing what what these uh athletes do so let, let's talk a little bit about um some some paralympic uh local athletes um by far i think the most recognizable name is jessica long who if you watch the olympics you probably saw in the ad for uh the car maker with a t I don't know if we can say it because <laughs> of the brands, but um, she's got 23 Paralympic medals. Uh, I, it's the second one uh, most in Paralympic history. I didn't look up who was the first one. So we're just going to go with her being a legend for having 23 participating again, uh, going for more. She is a swimmer. She swims. I, so the list of events, it, it's like three lines long. She swims every possible event in the pool. I think that they have, um, she's 50 meter freestyle, hundred meter freestyle, 400 meter freestyle, hundred meter backstroke, hundred meter breaststroke, hundred meter butterfly, 200 meter individual medley. So plenty of opportunities for her to get more medals and become an absolute legend, which uh, obviously she already is. And then we have a couple of ones that I do want to mention. We, there, there are more from local, but there's, there's, um, maybe two that I want to mention or three. One of them is the one that is actually from Washington, D.C. Everyone else is sort of from the DMV area. The one from Washington, D.C. is Hallie Smith. She's in rowing. She is in the women's singles course. Um, it's her first Paralympic uh, Games. She was sixth in the last World Championship in 2019. So uh, wishing her the best. She's our local, uh, our local Paralympic athlete. So hopefully she, she does well over there. And then uh, the second one that, that I'd like to mention is Sydney Barta, who is a high schooler. 
She is she goes to National Cathedral School, class of 2022. And she actually got uh, fourth in multiple events in 2019. She is a track and field Paralympic athlete. So in 2019, as a high schooler, even younger high schooler, she got fourth. In 2021, she's going to be in her first Paralympic uh, Games. So lots of expectation, lots of promise over there. Uh, we'll be watching uh, for her. She'll be in the 100-meter, 200-meter discus throw and shot put throw. So one of those all-around athletes um, that, that are so common in these, in these Paralympics, actually. Um, and the last one that I want to mention right now is Lawrence uh, Sapp, who swims the 100-meter butterfly, 200-meter individual medley, um, and 200-meter freestyle. He's a first-time Paralympian, got silver in the World Championship, got gold in 2017, so still competitive, still going to be out there uh, going for uh, going for gold. So those are a few of our, of our local athletes that you should keep an eye on. You said archery with your feet. Is that right? Yes. That is insane. So we don't, I really want to see it's video insane. of that. So you really have to see, like, obviously, we're not going to get into it, but there's like 10 different categories of, um, like, disabilities that, that qualify for you to be a Paralympian. And, like, all the sports have some sort of, obviously, adaptation. They're, they're done in a different way. And so there's, like, rugby, wheelchair rugby, wheelchair basketball. Um, we have a local wheelchair basketball player. Um, his name is Trevin Jennifer. In basketball, wheelchair basketball, the U.S. is not as dominant as, you know, we've talked in, in previous weeks on, on obviously, not having the NBA. Um, still, like, always contending for gold, but not as dominant as, like, winning everything, men's and women's, for, you know, how many decades. Um, but still always up there with Great Britain and Australia. So if you watch any of the wheelchair basketball, you'll see Trevor Jennifer uh, in there. Um, but, yes, the, the adaptations that, that you know, these sports have, they, they make the sport, obviously, a completely different dynamic a lot of times. I know in tennis, for example, the ball can bounce twice. Um, and they're obviously using, you know, their hands to both move and hit the ball. Like it, it's just like a, a completely different sport. Um, and I think, I don't know if any, I don't remember in Rio being able to stream it. Like just, I don't know if, I don't know, it's been five years, I guess now, like it's, it's, you know, 5g and all the, the, the accessibility to internet may be a lot easier, but, um, I don't remember having the opportunity to like watch any Paralympic event that I wanted. Uh, so I'm really excited for for that opportunity and just seeing what some of these athletes do, which is unthinkable to me. Do you know what some of the, so you'd said there are some disabilities that allow you to become a Paralympian or yeah. what are some of those? So there's like 10 categories. I was just actually looking at them. There's like 10 categories. Some of them have to do with like physical disabilities. So like, you know, people who were either born without a limb or like, um, were paralyzed, for example, at some point in their lives. There's also a category for like intellectual disabilities, um, just obviously people who are like blind. Um, so there's there's 10 different categories and then each sport from what I was reading has like a subcategory of like how you participate depending on the disability. So it, it's actually sort of kind of a complicated web of, uh, of, of how these sports are separated. But um, yeah, those are, those are some of the sports that, that we'll be seeing. Uh, at, the U.S. seems to have a lot of power in track and field. Um, that seems to be one of, one of the specialties of, uh, of the U.S. team. Uh, and the swimming. Uh, obviously, swimming has, has been another one that the U.S. has been extremely successful at. Yeah, well, so, I mean, it falls on my ignorance anyway, because initially I was thinking about Friday Night Lights, Jason Street, shout out Jason Street, one of the best, uh, you know, paraplegic characters in TV. But, like, I was thinking about just, like, someone that was, like, paralyzed, like, Jessica Long swimming. And initially I was like, wait, how does that? But now that makes a lot more sense that there are other ways that you can sort of qualify and be considered. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and there are so I was also reading up if you remember Oscar Pistorius who was actually like qualifying to participate in the Summer Olympics, uh, not the Paralympics, but the Summer Olympics. And so there's been like two cases, I think, of that, of, of Paralympic athletes participating in the Summer uh, Olympics. So like there, and, and when that happened, there was a whole debate, right, on like, you know, is there an advantage to using the, the carbon fiber uh, prosthetics or, or is, you know, what, how do you compare, right, like those two things? And so, um, but in my opinion, like, it, all of these sports are just a completely different sports. Um, I, I remember very fondly like an experience. I was like in seventh or eighth grade um, and we had a local uh, sort of disability advocate um, organization come to my school and we did a whole like sort of morning of sports uh, with, with, you know, different disabilities with, uh, with kids and just the difficulty of maneuvering, you know, a wheelchair or the difficulty of uh, the Argentinian um blind soccer team is really good actually um and like the difficulty of just trying to keep track of a ball with sound i mean it, to me like when you see these athletes it is something that i would never even fathom to be able to do which already happens with the olympics but in the paralympics it's just like uh, extenuated so besides archery what would you say is like the event you're most looking forward to so i mean i think that I would say all of these events have enough difference from like, you know, the, this, the, their correspondent event in the Olympics that they're all going to be pretty interesting to watch. Like I just, I'm honestly, I really want to watch uh wheelchair rugby. Like I just don't understand how that will work. So like, I want to know. Um, but from what I've been looking at, there isn't sort of like a, a, big deal on specific events like I would say in the Olympics like everyone knows the 100 meter Olympic athletes right like this there's sort of like the, it's like the thing um there isn't anything that is sort of like the overwhelming uh you know sort of principal uh principal sport that everyone watches but I think that the track and field events I think that that will be probably the most entertaining just because there's so much happening right in the field like it's just you know one one sort of what do you call it, one arena where everything is happening um and you can the, the camera can switch from one event to the other event to the other event. So I think that would be the maybe the most entertaining to watch. I don't know uh, that there's a bigger one in terms of audience or uh, or sort of importance. Okay. Damn, wild. No, I really appreciate the info, LC. Matt, KDOT, you guys got any questions for him? No questions. I, I As soon as you said wheelchair rugby, my curiosity kind of peaked. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing, I've seen wheelchair basketball. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen the archery with feet. I've seen that pretty well wheelchair rugby that yeah. that's intriguing. And, um, yeah, I might tune in. I might watch more Paralympics than I had did watch the real, uh, or the well. summer Olympics, but, um, that will say, absolutely. Would yeah, be wrong? Are... Should I be equal opportunity and just not watch any? <laughs> <laughs> no, just don't watch the Olympics. Only watch the Paralympics. That's my that's do that. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> um, so, so, sorry. So, what channel can uh, can these be watched on? So uh, they'll be doing like primetime coverage, uh, like on NBC and NBC Sports Network. But you can go online to NBC and like as they're happening, watch them. Um, Obviously, it's in Tokyo, so the times are as inconvenient as they were for the Olympics. But usually, you can catch good things if you like get up in the morning it's like as you're doing work from home you have a second screen or the tv on you can put it there there's usually events until about like 
10 a.m., which is like 11 p.m. in in Tokyo. And then at night, if you're like, you know, after dinner, uh, like 7 or 8 p.m. here, it's like 8 or 9 a.m. there. So things start in Japan there. So so the best times for watching are like either right as you wake up or like after dinner when you're like trying to find something to watch on TV. So wait, does it always happen in Tokyo? Because you had said same city, right? Each time and it was based on... It happens in this... No, no, it happens in the same city than the Olympics happen. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 2016 Paralympics were in Rio. Like same. that makes a lot more sense. Okay. I, I initially thought that you had said uh, same city every year because they have the facilities that specially designed for it. That makes that makes more sense to me. Okay. Cool. And so just to go ahead. I think you're right on. about the Rio thing as far as just the ability to do the streaming stuff because I always feel like the Paralympics. You're usually the way that I know anything is happening is you get one or two clips that might get exactly. or catch viral, and then everybody and then I always watch them like. Oh, where'd these come from? Where did anybody watch yeah. this in the first place? But you, We didn't even know they were happening. Yeah, Exactly, right. You just see yeah. the clip and everybody's sort of like this inspirational clip and it's like, oh my God, where did this come from? And it's, yeah. So it's nice to know they're going to have full clock coverage. It's easily okay. accessible. Yeah. So NBC, NBC Sports, you can stream it online. Thank you, Elsie, for that. Could we quickly run through the athletes again? So there was Hallie Smith, yeah. the local ones. Hallie Smith, Sydney. I got you. Batra. Hallie Smith. We had uh, Joshua... Joshua George in track and field, Tatiana McFadden, also track and field, um, Daniel Romanchuk, also track and field, Trevin Jennifer in wheelchair basketball, Sydney Barta, as I mentioned, a high schooler in track and field, Lauren Sapp in swimming, also Zachary Shatuk in swimming, and then Jessica Long in swimming. Again, these are sort of the, the more local DMV athletes. There are, I mean, a hundred, I think, or some uh, athletes in the U.S. team uh, for, for the, whole, the whole Paralympics. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for that info, LC. And of course, Jessica Long, 23 medals. That was something I learned today. That was fucking impressive. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And so that's the Paralympics. Starts Tuesday, August 24th. And now we move on to the no hate debate. Matt, question for you. When you came up with this question, talk us through the thought process here. All right. So, so for our avid listeners, um, the debate topic is what is the worst part about living in DMV? Um, and I actually thought of this question a while ago, a few months ago, and a few things have, you know, a few things, you know, I've lived in the area now for seven years, DC proper now for three. And so I've kind of, kind of accrued a list over the years. I think there are some things that hit you right when you get to the city or like, wow, this, this is, this festivus? is tough to live through. What? Is this Festivus? <laughs> this is not Festivus, <laughs> but um, and, and there are many great things. We're not going to talk about this today. This is not a time to celebrate the city. It's time to beat it down or the area. So, um, I'm curious what you guys, you guys think. Um, I, there are some, there are some standards, there are some go-tos and for good reason, those are go-tos, but I'm curious what you guys have on your list. So I'll throw it to, to LC first. Okay. I would say you're asking me mid August. So for me, the worst has been just the swampy conditions, man. Like it's just walking outside and feeling like there's a dragon breathing in your face. It's just so, and it it feels like, so I would compare it to the worst part about living in Ohio was that winter was like 11 months long. And like here, it feels like summer. I, I literally was saying today, I don't remember last time I felt cold. Like, it feels like it's been so freaking long. I've been sweating for four months constantly. I, it's just, I, For me, the worst part of living here is just that it's so swampy. And I don't mean just Capitol Hill. I mean, like, the, the, the temperature and the conditions and the humidity. Yeah, I, I think that is a common go-to thing about these seasons. Summer Sierra Gross. Um, 
and yeah, it's not just hot, you know, it is, it's nasty. And so like, I remember I used to walk like 14 minutes to the Metro, uh, to, to hop on it for work. And you're just like drenched in work clothes. And that's, that's a tough feeling to start your day. Um, what about you, Kadeen? So there's a multitude of things that I could really go to as far as why. So like, um, I see my arm, my DC tattoo. So I'm born and raised Washington, DC, high university hospital represent, uh, but I will say that I've fleed the city <laughs> on more than one occasion uh, because of a multitude of things. Like, the humidity, as a fat man, LC, I got you, bro. Like, it sucks. Trying to figure out just how to walk to the car. Like, I got AC in the car, and the buildings are getting AC, and I still look like I ran a marathon. I mean, I do need to lose some weight, but still, the temperature and the climate in this area is not helping me. Um, there, there's a, Even what you just said, Matt, as far as you had to walk 14 minutes to the metro, for a city that has public transportation, it's very inconvenient a lot of times here too, right? So I think that in a lot of ways can be one of those things. The fact that unlike New York, a lot of places close at times that you want places to be open. Very, very inconvenient for what's supposed to be a big city, right? But if there's one thing that I'm going to go to more than any other thing that I hate about Washington, D.C. proper, and it's starting to expand throughout the DMV, is the word I want to use is gentrification, but I won't. I'm going to say pricing. It's just they price you out of this fucking city. Now, as a Washingtonian born and raised, right? My last, I think the statute of limitations is up on this, so I'm going to take a chance. My last two years of high school, I lived in Baltimore, Maryland. I commuted every day to go to class. Why? Because I lost my childhood home. We couldn't afford to be in the city anymore. We had to travel 50 miles a day. I remember us sitting down and trying to figure out the calculations on gas, the timing, everything else. Was it worthwhile? And it was absolutely worthwhile to do the commute, which was insane to me. Like the city that I was born and raised in, and we got to make room for mats to show up every seven years or whatever, just to take it over. And there's no culture in the city anymore. You just got people like him coming from Detroit, just bringing their Detroitness to the city, just, just killing it, right? Like the fact that... I saw the Washington football team put out a go-go video the other day. They had the Washington dance team. They were doing the go-go shit. And I have to comment, what the fuck is this? What is this? They don't have this in Detroit. What is, what's going on? What's going on with this? It's, it, it just sucks. I think the pricing itself has been the absolute biggest detrimental factor in Washington, D.C. having culture, in Washington, D.C. having residents that are born here, they can be able to be proud to be here. It's the reason the DMV name even comes up. You know why? Because everybody, that, what it used to be when I was a kid, you represented when you were in Washington. When people said they were from Washington, from Woodbridge, you told them to get the fuck out of here. Now you don't question it that much. Why? Because you got price out of the city, and the only place you can't afford is probably Woodbridge or PG County or something else. So you got to say the DMV thing. And we let it go now. You know why? Because nobody can afford to be in this fucking town. Even this apartment that I'm in, my girlfriend's apartment. She's ridiculous the amount of money she's paying for this fucking thing. I refuse. I refuse. It ain't going to happen. Just saying. I kid you not, as, as you were mentioning it and, and calling out my Detroit S, which is very fair, which is very fair. My internet cut out and I did miss it. So I'll have to watch it on the pod because I did not <laughs> quite see it all. But I'll, I'll catch it. I got the gist. I got the gist. Apologies. It's all good. All good. All good. Internet also sucks in the city. All right, Amit, on to you. Well, I just want to thank you, Matt, for having me go after KDOT and that passion because there's no way I could. Well, you didn't hear it. So I guess this doesn't really affect you a whole lot. But uh, that was that was really good, Kate. For me, I was thinking about it. I'm biased. I'm from the city. I still live in the city. Um, 
I had to go with something that's just bitten me in the ass over and over and over again. You'd think I learned my lesson, but I don't. These speed cameras are everywhere and they are very stealthy about where they put them. If you have driven on K Street Northwest going down towards Key Bridge, you have been caught by that 25 mile per hour bullshit that still exists there today. It makes the city millions. Just that one. Forget the other ones. Just that one. Everyone gets caught on it. Paychecks have gone to that thing. The speed cameras piss me off to no end in this city and they keep switching the locations of it. And it's just it just seems like a very disingenuous practice. I hate it. Absolutely do you think, hate it. Do you think like somebody at the the DMV but not like the area like the Department of Motor Vehicles, which I assume is whoever's in charge of that, do you think that they like hiring process for who selects the locations of these cameras is like looking for some evil genius? Like what is that? I tell you what, what if, there, if there are like? people that don't want to get priced out of the city, you just work for them and figure it out because I'm sure they'll give you housing for getting that shit right. That yeah, I'm, I'm locations getting, getting a ticket at that K Street one is a rite of passage for being a resident of the city. I think everyone has gotten one. I have um, not. You have not? Never? All right, I will tell you this. Waze is your friend, bro. W- like, Waze I, is I literally, Waze. my girlfriend gets on my ass every time. As soon as we get in the car, phone goes up there and Waze gets pulled up, even if I'm not using it to go direction anywhere. Waze is a permanent fixture in my car. But there's one speed camera in particular that I, I, I don't know if you've gone through it. New York Avenue and Blatonsburg Road out there in Northeast where the Checkers is as you're I've leaving seen a the flash. town. I've seen a flash. I have not been caught by that one. There were statistics about this camera that like in, in two months, there was enough people that got tickets to fill FedEx Stadium. It was something stupid. They, they, the, what they did, the intersection is so big. You can enter it on green and literally it, the camera, you will turn red by the time you're out of the intersection. It was literally just a cash grab. It was just a cash grab. There were times that I was looking at the camera. I remember I got caught in the camera. I'm like, why's the first, why's the first photo you sent me got a green lightning, you assholes? And then you showed me the last, I'm like, okay, this traffic change. I slowed down a little bit and then you caught me. There's not enough time. All right, yeah, that does aggravate me. Yeah, speed cameras. I, I, got, a, I got a speed cam story. It was my first year in, in the area and I was driving. Um, I said I was in, didn't really have speed cams. and. Uh, and so I got one, there's one near RFK stadium. Um, so I was driving through there and cars were slowing down. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't have my ways on blow past them, get flashed. Cool. I know what's coming. Two days later, envelope comes in being like, you know, I was like probably 23 at the time. Didn't, didn't open it up. Didn't pay right away. I was like, kind of forgot about it. Two weeks later, another envelope comes in the mail. I'm like, Oh shoot, that's probably a late notification. I need to pay it next day. So next morning I wake up Saturday morning, I wake up. And I open up the two and I'm like, oh, these are, these are two different tickets. These are not even the same <laughs> ticket. I'm like, oh, that sucks. And I, I log in to pay them. And then I realized that I'd gotten a third one that I hadn't even sent to my house yet. And so I started my Saturday morning by paying $450 to the city of BC. And that was a tough, that was a tough Saturday. It is absurd. Yeah. I do remember when, when cameras were like new. So like 07, 08, when they were first putting them in. Uh, I remember me and my boys, my pal guys from over in Palisades, we were in my dad's Camry, and we decided we were going to try to hit the high score on the, uh, the, the you know, they tell you what, sco- what, what speed you're going. So I wanted it to flash to a point where it couldn't. So I get home, it's like about a week or two later, because at that point they weren't on point. And I get, there's a envelope with the word asshole written on it, and my, da- my dad's handwriting, I open it up, 
it's all my friends hanging out the sunroof and the windows and the camera goes off this big thing. It was a great time. It was a great time. That was back when it was like $20 a ticket. Didn't give a shit. It's just like, whatever it is. Yeah, no, these days, my God. And the city's trying to catch up right now, right? Because of COVID and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. these things are everywhere. The cops are out too. They're pulling people over for no freaking reason. It's so annoying. Anyway, speaking. Honorable mention also DC hatred, Dave Thomas Circle. Yep, sure. Sure. Well, just any circle in general, they're so poorly designed. I feel like no one knows. I'm shocked there are not accidents there every single day. Some of so these bad. circles are so poorly done. Matt, I want to hear from you. I could go on all day. I, I have a lot of, of what you guys have. Um, obviously, the summers. Um, the Metro, I actually think, gets a worse rap than it deserves. I think it's actually a pretty dependable system. But that being said, for me going to like my office, which is like just across the bridge in Arlington from where I live, should be... 15 minutes and it takes me 45 minutes because I have to like transfer and whatnot. So there are some deficiencies, um, but all in all, I think Metro, I mean, the, the new trains, very nice, always AC'd. Okay, not too many regrets there. Traffic can be a little tricky. I think every major city struggles with that. Um, I did have down a, as a city, and you probably mentioned one of the reasons why, but there is not a inherent personality to, to the city. And there's a lot of transplants. There's a lot of people coming in for a few years, probably jacking up the rent and getting out of here. But if you think about, if I think about the Midwest, if I think about Detroit and Cleveland or and Pittsburgh and, and maybe like a, a Buffalo, there is a inherent, you know, or in Cleveland and, and, and Kansas City, like there's inherent, you know, Midwest culture that Chicago is that just a little bit more spiced up. If you think about the West Coast, LA and San Diego, if you think about Texas, you think about that. Even if you go up, up to, to New York and Philly and Boston, there's a little bit of a joint. I mean, I think they're slightly different. In DC, I don't really know what that is. Um, it's, it's people coming in all the time. And I think most big cities or a lot of big cities, there are a lot of transplants, but for some reason, nothing seems to, to stick here. Um, so that is, that is one thing, but I want to say, I think we hit on all the big spots. So the other thing I want to throw out, and we've talked about this before, but there's, there's not a single good pizza spot in this city. That's my main problem with it. Because what if about I red want, light? what? Like red light? Red light is like a $25 pizza. It is expensive. You know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. count that as a, as a, as a top pizza. I used to think the food in the city was not good. Then I had to go find some real spots to eat. Um, Lido's. We're going to fight. I hate Lido's. I I think Lido's is so disgusting. But I actually think overall, other than a few restaurant areas are like some well-known chefs that are doing their things like Spike Mendelson's. Yeah. Jose. DC is not a great food town. So I, I, used I, to I literally, that. Baltimore, in my opinion, gives it a run for its money and it shouldn't like there, there's no reason Baltimore should be in the same conversation is DC. So, and it is, and that's ridiculous to me. So I, I used to think that, and I think there's a, a, a matter of like, if you're on New York and it's 2am, you can find a bomb meal, right? I think that is a, is one way to judge a city's food. Um, I don't think it's good to judge it by like your five-star restaurants because every city, every five-star restaurant you go to is, is probably going to be very good. Um, but, um, I do think as I've gotten more, especially into like the Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant area, there are a ton of like restaurants that you can eat for very cheaply, very good meals. Um, as I've gotten away from, I don't know, the DuPonts or the Logan circles, or whatever, like where the meals are kind of more expensive. I really like the, the meals up in my neck, of the woods, but, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You should have been here 20 years ago, but. Like when everything was a hole in the wall, good spot to go get something where the, the writing was just spray painted 
or painted into the brick on the side of the building so like that. Good. That to me was, I don't respect your carryout unless there's bulletproof glass between me and your, there's less of those now. There's, I, I need health code violations. I need to know that like the chicken I'm eating is entirely too tender to be chicken. Oh my God, there used to be a lot of rats out here. Now there isn't. Like I need to know that you are bringing me some authentic shit in this city how many restaurants right. are you going to with reclaimed wood and fucking mason jars? In yeah. it's just. I, I, you spend told, your time. I live, yeah, I, I live in Silver Spring, which is like right outside of DC, and that's like our main complaint of the area. There's no holes in the wall. Everything is a chain. Like everything that we can go eat is like the same. You could get the exact same burrito and fucking the other side of the country. Like nothing is sort of local and unique. It's, it's just chains. Nothing else. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's. Where do you want the restaurant spending their time? You want them perfecting their craft, or do you want them getting rid of those rats that are just right outside? You want them perfecting their craft, and that's the hole in the wall right it's there. The city's spray it. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Keep spray, spray, keep are, spray painting that title of your restaurant. That's totally fine. There are some nice pockets. Like when you say Silver Spring, I used to live in Wheaton, and if you go all the way up Georgia Avenue in Wheaton, where all the writing turns into Spanish. There are some legit hole in the wall spots, or like there are On legit taquerias. That's what it's like. You go up Bears Mill Road, you're like, "Yo, what's this truck doing with all the flashing lights? Let's go check it out." In three dollar tacos, and you're like, "Yo, this is hidden." Like there is yeah. an element of that, but in DC, like the closest you could get to that vibe, I think, still is Adams Morgan, Columbia Heights, where you still have a lot of the Latin and Spanish stuff going on. But like the black culture stuff in D.C. is kind of wiped out. It used to be U Street. Now some of that exists, but it's just, hey, let's jazz it up with a black name and then people will buy it. It's, it's bullshit. It's going over to where Union Market is breaks my heart every god dang on time. Because what it used to be were actual places where you, you could go in and they had open markets with like food from Ethiopia. And this is where like the people would come and all this food was coming off the ship right there. And they would have, and it was sketchy as shit. And your shoes would get messed up in puddles of liquid. You didn't understand what it was like, but it was true. It was something legit. And now everything is just the same. They still have that one very small block of Union Market that has managed to maintain its integrity. Yeah. Letary's is the only thing that's still the mainstay over it. there. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is sad. Okay. So, no, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about DC because, again, born and raised here, went to school in Minnesota, but then came back. Like, I haven't really known, like, other places for the food spots and stuff like that. But whenever I do go to New York, yeah, you're right. You can find a bot meal at 2 a.m. No problem. No problem on almost every block. Anyway, um, any, any final words, Matt, before we move on to the State of the Union? Uh, no, that was all I had. It was a fun, fun segment. I, I have a Mia Copa on the uh, speed cameras. I live in a place that I could see a speed camera from my balcony. And so if you've ever had a, you know, a ticket taken to you on Colesville, I probably laughed at you. Um, maybe celebrate a little bit because it's nighttime and you see the flash. You're like, hey, and like you try to guess, you see a car coming. You're like, oh, is he going to get it? Is he going to get it? And then you do a dollar bet immediately, like dollar bet's going to get it. And you see the camera flashing, like, you know, somebody's getting charged, but it's pretty fun. So I'm sorry. No, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, welcome tip. to the light show at LC's. Go ahead, kid. Tip, Montgomery County, speed cameras do not go off unless you're 11 miles over the speed limit. You can oh, actually yeah, yeah. I look, hover at nine. I you can at look at any every every jurisdiction. You can look online, and they have oh, all really? the specifics about what speed cameras they use and when they do clock. That's them. pretty high. 
it's pretty that's what i'm saying so when i'm zooming by like on connecticut avenue all these assholes <laughs> going five miles on the speed limit i'm like ah, left lane boom i'm gone hey but don't do that on the k street one i'm serious that that one is <laughs> k just, street, it, yeah fuck that one three it's miles calibrated. Over, they'll, it's they'll calibrated. Find it. and they'll say you were six over oh i hate that anyway yeah, but fuck this city move to baltimore mark train right down there takes you 30 minutes pay a quarter in rent the food's better all right, well, you got KDOT's update in the State of the Union, your DC Sports Wraparound coverage segment. His bit was get the fuck out of the city. But why don't we go ahead and send it right back to KDOT. And let's talk about the Washington football team. It is a preseason game, but it is a big game for a lot of these guys on the roster bubble against Cincinnati on Friday. Yeah, uh, it's going to be it, – to me, it's more the same. We want to see what some of these guys do as far as uh, – on defense, I'm not sure if Montez is coming back. I'm hoping he comes back for this game. I haven't heard the exact word on that. But I want to see what kind of speed he's dealing with. I want to see if Chase and those guys are still popping. And I also want to see from the linebacker position, like I said, Jamin Davis, those guys – I want to see more speed from these guys. I need to see that they're going to be able to make sure that second level is covered or that they're going to be able to cover those gaps. Because the front four is stout – but one of those things that those front four do is allow opportunities for the linebackers to go make plays. We need playmakers at linebacker. And if that doesn't happen, we're in four. I mean, it's not going to be a long season. We're still going to be able to do it. But I'm telling you, if they can get those linebackers to move, that defense is going to not just be good, but it could be great. I mean, like all-time great. I Just the talent that's rocking on that defense looks incredible to me. Um, yeah. That's, I feel like Matt was just rolling his eyes over there. He's like, oh, God, an all-time great defense. Defense. <laughs> I'm not rolling, No, I'm not rolling my eyes. <clears throat> I, I will, one Thank other you. thing on the Washington wraparound. <laughs> this is the wraparound thing, the, the, the State of the Union. That's it correct. looks as though what J- Jason Wright has gotten the names down to three. We are down to three. If you've been following the series online, it looks like the three might be Commanders, Wolves, or Red Tails. So, everybody, start thinking about whether or not you love one of those names. Could you quickly rank them from one to three, K-Dot? Wolves without the red makes me a little less excited, even I though agree. I really like the W logo that I was seeing them kind of rock on that television screen. So, I think right now I'm going one red tails just because at least it's historically, like, it gives me something. Number two, I'm going to go... I'll go... I'm still going to go Wolves and then Commanders. Commanders, I dig. I don't hate any of these names. Me completely honest. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. And uh, let's move on to the Washington Nationals where Matt has an update for us. What's going on, team? How are you guys doing today? I'm back with our Washington Nats update since the last pod. It's been a sweet best. Nats have lost all six games swept by the Nats, swept by the Braves. And what did I tell you? We'll be, <laughs> we'll be seeing you back in 2023. The only positive news. As I agree now, three solid starts for the Nats, his first three starts uh, in the majors. And he's got a sub three ERA, 0 1 record because he's not getting any rent support and the bullpen's been blowing up. But um, sub three ERA, whip around right, right around one and a caper nine above 10. So we're going to keep tracking him. Um, he's going to be an important piece for this future. So it's good to see him uh, starting off his MLB, his major career in a good place. But again, Nats swept. They've now lost 12 of 13. And um, see you in 2023. See you in 2023. Chief meteorologist of wins and losses, Matt Regan there. Uh, actually saw Josiah Gray pitch on, I believe it was Friday night. He looks great. I'm very, very happy with him returning in that Trey Turner, Max Scherzer trade. And I cannot wait to get a Josiah Gray jersey 
next season. Oh, I'm so excited for him. Don't give me that look, Matt. I'm so excited for this guy. I think you stay away from him in Jersey. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. He's gonna leave in a year if I get Thank his you. Jersey. Please, so maybe stay the fuck away. maybe I'll reconsider. Maybe I'll reconsider. But anyway, let's. What you do with the Russell Westbrook jersey? Sorry, my bad. <laughs> TBD for now it's in my closet uh, but I just look at it and cry sometimes let's let's talk about women's basketball let's talk about the Washington Mystics it has been quite a while Elena Deladon is still not back that seems to be the constant of the season and they were back in action on Sunday without her lost by one point to the Las Vegas Aces 84 to 83 whom they play again at the time of this recording so if you're seeing this podcast now, you already missed the game. Olympic gold medalists Tina Charles and Ariel Atkins each had 20 points in that game on Sunday. The rest of the schedule this week includes the Phoenix Mercury on Thursday at 10 p.m. on Twitter. Twitter is actually showing the game. I guess you can just go to the Mystic site or WNBA uh, page and you could just stream it, apparently. Um, and then they play the Seattle Storm at home at 2 p.m. on Sunday. And that is on ESPN2, much more conventional uh, viewing option there. The Washington Wizards summer league action is over. As LC had mentioned earlier, it was a shit show. The Washington Wizards got hit by COVID, so Cassius Winston didn't play. Michigan State, great. Uh, someone that Matt probably hates as a result. And here's the thing. There was no point guard play. Corey Kispert had one good game, and it was because he made it happen himself, which is something he may need to learn to do on this team. He had 18 points in that game, and that only win against the Milwaukee Bucks, we went 1-3 and three overall. On to women's Dude, soccer. We beat the champs. Hey, we beat the champs. We beat the champs. Giannis did not play unbelievably <laughs> in the summer league. Yeah, I know. I know. Why wouldn't he? Listen, did, my did sources, any of the other ones? Any of the other Antetokounmpo's? <laughs> no, nah, they were they all chilling. So many as, far, as far as I saw, they were all chilling. <laughs> Giannis is hard Asian heart, man. My stars play. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. hey, hey, that's how it bomb. should be. How you going to get that three-point bet if you ain't got there shooting? He's like a $230 million contract doesn't show up to play. It's, uh, it's just, ridiculous. Just a lack of heart. <laughs> Absolute lack of heart. On to women's soccer. Very eventful week. Let's begin with the head coach. So Richie Burke, last week I told you guys, hey, he was stepping down due to health concerns. Well, Washington Post and The Athletic did a little bit of digging. Turns out there were verbal assault allegations on Richie Burke, and they were trying to put him away from the spotlight for a little bit, keep him in the front office. That came out. Next thing you know, the spirit come out. Owner Steve Baldwin says, hey, we're looking into that. Very, very serious. In the meanwhile, they deleted the post saying there were health concerns at all. Turns out Richie Burke is just fine, but there is no way he is coming back at this point. Wish him all the best. Hope that it gets better. But this has been a trend for him for some time. So very unfortunate, sort of a dark spot for the Washington Spirits. So finally, they got to play some soccer on Friday night against the Houston Dash. And they went up 2-0 thanks to goals from Paige Nielsen and Tori Huster. Both beautiful goals. you got to check them out. Paige Nielsen, just off the top of the box, off, off a corner kick, drills it. Bottom 90. It was a beautiful shot. But we end up tying 2 to still nice to get a point after the week that we had. The Spirit are now in sixth place, the last playoff spot in the NWSL with 10 games to go there. Up next, Sunday at Audi Field, not Segra, against the Orlando Pride at 4 p.m. The game can be seen on Paramount+. Plus. Now, finally, D.C. United. They have been on fire recently, and they got a bucket of water poured on them in Nashville. 5-2 loss to Nashville SC. A wildly entertaining game, though. It was 3-2 at halftime. United now dropped to sixth place in the Eastern Conference in the MLS, which is a playoff spot. 
with 15 games to go. So they could still move out or they could move up some more. Up next at the first place, New England Revolution. And that is tonight at 7 p.m. And then Saturday night at home against Atlanta United at 8 p.m. Both games can be seen on dcunited.com and NBC Sports Washington. And that's going to conclude your State of the Union, your DC Sports Wraparound Coverage segment. And this is District Divided, a DC Sports podcast. And we dabble in other topics as well, talked about the Paralympics. And we always have our no-hate debates, which are always a lot of fun. Looking forward to the football game on Friday. You can see that on, I believe, the NFL Network. And locally, you can see it on NBC or Comcast Sportsnet, whatever they're calling it these days. But thank you all for listening. Once again, this is Amit. That's KDOT. That's Elsie. That's Matt. And we will catch you guys next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Take it easy. Have a great week.